Hey folks, episode number 46. I just had to check on my phone on uticast.com. Do you feel like it's inevitably a, just a matter of time until we forget and say the wrong number at the beginning and put out an episode? Yes. Yes. Um, I should have known better, but yeah, episode 46. Luckily you have uticast.com to yes, check to see can... what the latest episode is. And what all the episodes have ever been, because they're all there. Uh, we have a returning guest uh, all the way back from episode number six, good friend of the pod. Great friend of the uh, pod. Tim Schramm, the man behind the dev. He just released his new solo project, Gingivitis. Ginger like ninja. Yes, and we uh, we interviewed him this week. So uh, let's get to the show. the second return guest, person who's been on twice. Can you name the other person? The other person was uh, Phil Farda in yes. place of Hacksaw Jim Duggan that in, one time, wasn't it? Yes, in place of Hacksaw Jim Duggan, uh, Phil Farda. So Tim Schramm ex- ex- joins the exclusive Two Timers Club. I guess that's not a good name. Yeah, he went. <laughs> it's probably, no, not, it's a probably great, not. not a great club to Nobody be wants to in. be in the Two Timers Club. Uh, yeah. I had a good time watching Tim play the new Gingivitis mm-hmm. stuff at the Dev this weekend, mm-hmm. though. Mm-hmm. I uh, I did not get a chance to go on Saturday night. Uh, we'll get into that in just a moment. But I did hear that it was excellent. Yeah, there were a lot of people out there, and it was really cool. Uh, the thing that I like, I appreciate, I see a lot of bands do it at the Dev, and I've seen them do it at other places. When bands or music acts add a visual component to mm. their show, like something on a mm. projector, like make yep. a point to be more than just like standing there under the regular bulbs you know what i mean i think it goes a long way you know a guy like tim uh we talked a little bit about that during the interview uh tim we went about 24 minutes because that's i could have gone <laughs> i could have gone 48 minutes with tim because we'll tim, just do an episode one of these times it's you and tim for 60 minutes no breaks i actually brought up my theory to tim that we are uh parallel universe versions of each other that we probably oh my phone's ringing uh probably should never have met like we should like it's probably you know what i mean like he, I think he's me from Earth 2, or I'm, like, a duplicate of him. Because we, we like all the same stuff, just dinosaurs and robots and, like, weird amps and funny drum sets. And, like, I, I got so distracted in his studio because every time I asked him a question, I would look around at some piece of wonderful gear. And I'd be like, oh, you jerk. Why do you have that? It's springtime and love, in his, love is in the air. <laughs> Secret musician thing that uh, you, you won't always hear. Musicians are always jealous of other musicians' gear. Whenever you see, when if you're a musician and you walk in, I just in, love gear. I love seeing gear. <laughs> I just love gear. I get so excited when somebody's got anything. If oh, I go and man. you've got, you've got a guitar, you've got an amp, you've got any piece of musical gear, I'm interested. That probably goes for any other like anyone's weird hobbies. Like we like yeah. books a lot as well. If I go into someone's house and they got like a nice library, I'm like, right. oh, you mm, grumble. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so I want to address something very quickly. Uh, I might be a little scattershot this week. It's been quite the trying week for your host, Young Famo, here. Um, my grandmother passed away on Thursday morning. Uh, she was 92 years old, so good for her. Uh, 92 is crazy. Um, had to do a lot of family stuff, freshly pulling behind the curtain. I'm about two hours removed from the the funeral. What's the, what's the meal after the funeral called? 
Uh, we call it the death jam in my family, death jam. but we try like to put that. a we try to put a, a lighter spin on things <laughs> when we can. You're right. <laughs> called the death jam. It's it's the party after yeah. the funeral where you go and everybody goes to somebody's house or goes to a restaurant and there's way too much food and you just have a bunch of drinks and yeah. everybody tells stories about the person. I believe the proper term that my mother used was the mercy meal. Is what you call it? Oh, that's horrible. It is not. See not that? Good, that's right? why you have to call it the death jam. Death mercy jam. meal sounds. Yeah. Sad. Uh, but thanks to all the fine folks at Dominique's Chesterfield putting out those good Great rings. job down yeah, there. Great job down there. Uh, so, you know, um, it uh, it's tough. I was, uh, my parents were divorced. I've talked about that a couple times on the show. Mm-hmm. So by the time I was eight, I was like living with my mom. My mom was single, uh, single parent pretty much raising me for a couple years. Um, during that time, uh, I was inherently raised pretty much by my grandfather and grandmother on yeah. my Syrian side. My, my Evelyn Sarar passed away, and my grandfather Joe Sarar passed away about 15 years ago. Um, I think <laughs> my grandfather was such a force of personality that, uh, you know, I think as I was so drawn to him, I, I'm in a family of women. Like, my, to, for, for full context, my grandmother had four daughters, and those mm-hmm. four daughters, you know, there were. There were seven grand grandchildren born who were mm-hmm. girls before there was one boy. Do you yeah. know what I mean? You guys are heavily outnumbered in your family. I've been, I've seen your family. You guys yeah. are heavily outnumbered boys um, and girls. So it was, it was tough. My grandmother and grandfather were, they raised me pretty well. Do you know what I mean? I think they did an okay job. I'm not too much of a train wreck, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but my grandfather was such a force of personality, especially to me, that um, you know, I spent a lot of time in the last few days thinking about how I probably didn't appreciate my the stuff my grandmother did as much because I was so skewed because my grandfather was this model of adult manhood that I could look up to but my grandmother you know you got to think she, my, my grandfather died 15 years ago uh, and a lot of people when they when they lose they were married for 54 years and when you lose someone after 54 years it's real easy to to just let it drown with to them. drown with them right you know but mm-hmm. she stayed alive for 15 more years and she saw her grandkids have some kids. You know what I mean, she became mm-hmm. a multi-time great grandmother. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, up until last year, she she had like a stroke, and then mm-hmm. uh, for like a year, she just kind of yeah. yeah, you know. But even up until that, she was very active and very smart, very funny. Uh, she loved to gamble. Huge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get it. Okay, so let me tell you because I went to I went to your grandmother's wake and I was yeah. walking. Thank through. you, by the way. That was very oh, nice. Of you. course, of course. But so I was walking through the line with another friend of ours. And we're just, you know, talking as you do when you're waiting in line. There were a lot of people at the wake, so we're waiting for a minute. We walk yeah. by, and there's a slot machine that they've put in the room in the funeral home. Like, there's the nice collages of pictures and, like, these beautiful cards from yeah, the great-grandkids. And, like, all this, like, the wedding photo and this gorgeous, like, heirloom frame. And then a slot machine and then flowers. Yeah. And I was just looking for a minute. I'm like, slot? What? <laughs> it was the first time I've ever seen that in my life. They did not warn the cousins that the slot machine would be there. Um, well, because we were told, we're like, we're like, is this, should we, I got a, I mean, I've got a quarter. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, it was brutal, too, because we got a lot of nieces and nephews and little kids in the family who are staring at this giant flashing box. Big just wanting flashing. to make noise. Yeah. Uh, I have to say, though, and that's something, if you've if you ever been to a funeral and you got little nieces and nephews kids, uh, it's always a help when you have the little kids there, because mm-hmm. a lot of times little kids don't understand the gravitas of the situation, so sure. they'll do some little kid stuff. And it's pretty funny. Like my, mm-hmm. this is a good one uh, for anyone who's ever been to like a, this kind of situation before. After the wake, the next day you have to go back to the funeral parlor and you do the last uh, goodbye. They close the coffin and you. Yes. And sometimes you know, and there's basically a drawer 
in the coffin that you pull out and you can put things in the drawer, right? Uh, they put some of my grandma's jewelry in there and people, my, all my nieces and nephews wrote little notes to send to grandma in heaven. And, um, you know, and that's, that's fine. That's what they do, right? Uh, so my, my little nephew, Luke, has, he's, he's so bored. He doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's just too long for him to be, like, saddled down inside on a day like this. Yeah. So he's, like, running around stealing all the things from the funeral home that they leave out. The cups of water <laughs> and the, the napkin and the tissues and the mints and whatever, all the stuff like that. And I, and I watched him sneak up to the casket and put the mints and, and, and all the prayer cards and stuff in the drawer and then and then turn around with this look on his face, this mischievous look, to see if anyone caught him. It was the highlight of my morning. Oh, man. Oh, little kids are great. Did anybody uh, catch him? Yes. We all caught him and got a good laugh. Good little Luger. Oh. Good mess, my buddy. It's nice to have young kids yeah. keep you in check at something like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and, um, you know, it's a long process. The funeral thing, like you, you, the wake is the wake is actually kind of easy for you know. I, I know it's not not easy. It's terrible. It's distracting. Yes, a lot of people, a lot of talking. You see so many people, so much talking. Yeah. It takes your mind off the task at hand. Which, interestingly <laughs> enough, and my family talks a lot. They waved you and Steve on. There's oh a lot. <laughs> A your, lot of people. Your mom was nice enough to, because like I know, I know your mom and your stepdad like yeah. well, and I know your aunt, but like there's a lot of other people in your family. I've never seen these. I don't know who any of these people are. <laughs> it's a big family. So it was a nice moment. She's like, just go ahead, just yeah. go right past them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my aunt Loris was very happy to see you, though. She always likes nice to see lady. you. She reminded you that story of the time when we and you and me had to go into her attic and chase the bat that wasn't there out of her attic. <laughs> it wasn't there, right? We didn't find a bat. There was no bats. There was no bats. Um. But, uh, and it, I had a couple things. The only time I really struggled this whole time, and I have to, and, you know, I've, I've beat around the bush on this show that I'm not overtly religious, right? I'm not, a, I'm spiritual, but I don't, I don't, I'm not as dogmatically religious as a lot of the members of my family were. So that was a little tough for me to be in the church mm-hmm. and to, you know, watch my nieces and nephews going up and giving the, the touching the casket and putting the, mm-hmm. the thing on. Because it's tough to watch people grieve for me. My mom is very, you know, I, she likes to think that she's still, you know, we, she, we don't go to church as much as we did when we were younger, you know what I mean? Because right. the family broke apart and me and my sisters have different views. Right. But I think she still, it still means something to her. So it was, you know, it was important. I had to go in there and, like, go through the motions. <laughs> I know that sounds terrible. No, yeah, it is. A, it's, like, I, I think you, you can justify it to the fact that you're engaging in... Uh, family tradition, you know, yeah, it's a family yeah. tradition in a certain vein, yeah. but it's something like you know when you grow up with it and you grow up going to church all the time and everything like that. Even mm. when you go, whether you're specifically in there with the, under the same auspices that you may have been, yeah. when you were like nine years old. You're there with the family doing this thing together yeah. that you've done together to signify major moments in your whole life. Sure. So it's still, you know. Yeah, and for me, you know, and honestly, and I, and of course, I certainly didn't bring this up, so I'm never going to talk to them about this unless they listen to this podcast, which I don't think they do. Um, If they do, sorry, Ma. Uh, But, uh, no, it's just people, uh, what I've learned over this this last couple days is um, grief is very personal. People grieve in in very individual ways, uh, and I'm very proud of my family. In a certain, uh, you know me, I'm a little cynical. I expected the four sisters to let the emotions get the best of them in this scenario. In this scenario, but they all rallied together very well, much much better than I expected. I, I didn't. There was no drama. There was no tension. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm very proud that we didn't 
So good for them. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And I mean, you know, whenever it comes down to it, your grandmother had a... Uh, it's tough to ask for more out of your life than a productive 90 years. Yeah. It's yeah, tough man. to ask for more. 92 years with kids and grandkids and holidays mm-hmm. and family events. We were very traditional with that stuff, you know, and mm-hmm. a lot of people don't get that. And she she was a good woman. Yeah. <laughs> I got scolded for saying that. My sister yelled at me in the line when we were doing the... Th- because she... I don't... All right, all right. So I'll, I'll end it on this. I'll end it on this. All right, so I'm standing in the line, right? And people come around, shake your hand. And, and this is actually something I do want to bring up. You know when you stand in line at a funeral and people come by yeah. and they shake your hand? You don't know half these people. I don't know half these people. So few. So few. What I've noticed was, though, that, like, when you get... You get very insular in these moments. You're like, oh, how important this woman was to our family and our events. What I didn't realize is how many people outside of the family were touched by my grandfather and grandmother as kind of, as community members, you right? You forget they, that your that your yeah. family members have like every single member of your family has a personal life outside yeah. of their context in the family. And it's you realize that sometimes when all these people come through that you never could have imagined these people would even exist and they've got a whole world of their own experiences built up with this, you know, family member of yours. Yeah, and that's the thing, you know, my grandfather and grandmother lived above that hardware store and in, in it's not there anymore, but it was on Webster mm-hmm. Ave in, in East Utica for, you know, talking like 30 years of their lives, a local mm-hmm. hardware store. And in, it, that doesn't sound like anything now because there is no such thing as a local hardware store to right. a certain extent, right? But uh, you learned about the people in your community and you built relationships and you forged, um, you know, my mom, was, my grandmother was a member of like the Syrian American community. Like, like mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I don't know what the name of the, the there's like a sure. Syrian American Legion or whatever. Yeah, it is. Stuff I didn't even them. know, you know? Yeah. And I don't know. It, I was that was the part that got me most fascinated. Uh, it was just like, you know, the life that they had in this city before, you know, before they were before grandma. Their grandma, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, Evelyn Sarar, good woman. You should read the obituary if you go on. You know, I know people get down. Good job. Reading. No, they did a good job. Yeah, great one. obituary. Yeah, it was a good, yeah. it was a good obituary. Told like a little story about her. It was nice. You gotta, wasn't if it? you're gonna go, yeah. go big. Yeah. Half a page. All right, so that's 12 minutes of that, I guess. Um, well, the reason we want to talk about it is so I can kind of get out of the way that I have not really prepared as much show as we normally would. I'm yeah, a you little bit. There's nothing written. After we do this segment, you got to go back up to your mom's house with your family, <laughs> and we're going to do the rest <laughs> yeah. later. Yeah, I'll do the rest. We'll write see it. what goes on here. Yeah. On episode um, 46. But either way, uh, I don't know if Aaron's going to be here. I don't know if Parkinson's going to be here. I know someone will be here. Uh, but either way, we will play the interview with Tim because uh, I had a great conversation with Tim. And, um, you know, if you haven't listened to the Ginger Vitus stuff, uh, you really should should take a moment to listen to him. He's, he's cool alive. He's very talented. He's really cool very alive. Talented. All right, so let's take a break. We'll come back with someone as a third the person. The future. The future. We'll come back, back in, in the future. future. few seconds but it feels like hours <laughs> it does it hours. does i'm back i'm back from angela's justin parkinson is back hey buddy what's going on 
Not too much. Not too much. Um, you know what's one of the quick bonuses I noticed? I'm going completely off script from the first few seconds here. I love it. You came back from your mom's house. One of the, the silver linings to, you know, anytime you've got to go through mm. a family loss and funerals and stuff like that, you came back with your mom's house from your mom's house with enough food to feed a small army. Mm-hmm. It's always one of the nice benefits mm-hmm. that you do get to help you through your time of immediate grief is so many people send food. It's almost like that segue was meant to be there, because one of the things I was going to talk about is that coming back from Angela's house just now, uh, Angela's the best, too, by the way, when it comes to having food. No yeah, one your mom's like Angela. Anyhow, so I just came back with um, a whole tomato pie from Napoli's. Uh, I, I won't go into that. Just I'm just saying. I'm, I'm, sm- just, I'm smelling a tomato pie video coming smelling out. Smelling a tomato pie video. Um, Who would we call to make a tomato pie video? I don't know anybody. Ghostbusters? Oh, oh wait. No. <laughs> I only work with the talent. Here's the problem with tomato pie video. That's right. Real quick, ladies and gentlemen, Justin Parkinson is here. That's that third <laughs> voice, if you can believe it. Um, so, I also came back, though, with a plate of assorted Italian pastries. Now, a couple weeks ago, we made a video about mm-hmm. half moons. Um, and it was split 50-50 between Hemstrots and Holland Farms. And I caught a little bit of flack from people because I was talking about sfogliatelle as opposed to half moons, right? What I forgot to mention is that there is a pastry that exists that trumps all other pastries by a mile, and that is an almond paste cookie from the Florentine. Oh, absolutely not. Ah, oh, you're a madman. No way. Nah. The almond paste cookie is the untouchable champion cookie in this city. I'm throwing it down. I'm throwing down the gauntlet. I could eat about 100 of them, and the Florentine makes them like pros. I'm I just feel that like almond paste cookies are like the cookie vegetarians eat. What? I mean, this does sound so weird and off. It's, I don't. Uh. There's no better co- There's no better cookie to go with coffee. Uh, it's it's wonderfully soft and delicious in the middle. The secret about an almond paste cookie is there's not much in an almond paste cookie besides almond paste. Almonds it's, and paste. It's just, you know, it's just almond paste. You get some almonds. You get some um, Elmers. But yeah, paste so, it all together. So uh, as much as I was putting out Sfogliatelle, I should have been saying Florentine style almond paste is the way to go. Uh, all right, so Erin Higgins, obviously not here this week. Uh, I do want to shout her out, though. Uh, earlier this week, Erin was one of the largest graduating class in Utica College history, over 700 she was. graduates. She made it through. And she... Uh, Put she, them all to shame, shining on that stage. Yeah, now. and she got her master's in... Uh, I, she told me the full name of what it was. It's education. It's like uh, adolescent education or secondary adolescent education. Secondary tertiary. She's a master. A ma- she's the master now, so... Uh, we're very proud of our our, our girl. We gotta start calling yeah. her the master of yeah. the show. I actually gave her the night off. Theoretically, I could have called her in tonight. She was ready to go, but I didn't want to make her come in so late for tonight. Um, we have Tim Schramm on the show, as I mentioned. Uh, you were also at the Dev for the uh, the album release party for Ginger Vitus Parkinson. Did you have any takeaways from watching the show? No, it was uh, it's good for some stuff Zeno's doing with the Newlywed thing. Um, records, yeah, and, and yeah. the way that a lot of these guys are working together because that felt like a nice scene down there. You knew who you were gonna see. Yeah, um, you knew what to expect. It's, it's it was nice to start to be able to see the guys from other bands and like know that there mm-hmm. are other bands and the way everybody supports. You know what I mean? Like Zeno and he had his uh, Newlywed Records, the merch booth set up down yep. there, and every just everything. You're exactly right. It was such a scene, and that's a nice thing to see that we've been missing in this area for a really long yeah. time yeah. now. It's a good point. Yeah. So it was good, and Tim Tim was great, of course. Um, it's a good atmosphere down there. Everybody Tim was, was actually not to knock. I don't I don't mean this in a bad way with Tim. Tim was better than I expected. Like yeah. when it was just something mm. like it's going to be, you know, 
one guy and I had heard some of the music and I wasn't sure how it was going to translate live, but it was like, it was yeah. banging live. Mm. He even was even doing some singing. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah he was, was singing. He was impressive. good too. He could sing well some more. He, um, did, he did a nice job. So uh, once, we, once we're done with the interview with Tim, uh, if you want to read a little bit more about Tim, we did an excellent write-up. Kate Riley, a good friend yeah. of the podcast, did a wonderful write-up on Made in Utica. And Uticast.com plug, the full inter- video interview that you did with him will be up there on That's the site right. that you can watch. If you, I don't know why you would if you're listening to this right now. You're about to hear this. Sometimes you, you want to see the facial expressions. The, yeah, you yeah. can see the dynamic. You there. can see the me. Bromance the bromance. Oh, the world's <laughs> thickest bromance. It's so, it's so intense. Dinosaur um, porn, basically. We have a couple major stories this week. I do want to. I want to share one quick anecdote with you guys, though, from earlier this week. Um, I'm 30 years old, guys. I'm an adult. I'm an adult male. I have a job. I live on my own. And yet, somehow along the way, I've never purchased a birthday cake for anybody. I've never done it. I've never gone to a birth. I never gone to a store and ordered a cake and got their name on it. Never done it. Never happened. I don't think I have. So I feel like maybe I've been there when it's been done, but I've never been yeah. the one. So my sister gives me a call, and she's uh, pretty concerned because of everything with my grandmother, and she doesn't want to hassle my mom with having to get a cake for my niece, whose birthday happened to be yesterday, the day of the wake. Yeah. So happy Your birthday to my sister's kid. Yeah, my sister's kid. Okay. So she calls me and she says, "Can you go get a birthday cake?" For, for my kid. For my kid. Yeah. And I'll pay Because I don't want to ask my mom. Because I don't want to ask mom, right? Because she's stressed out. <laughs> she's got enough, she's got she's got enough stuff on her plate, right? So I said, yeah, no problem. So I, I had to go to a price chopper. And I, I didn't understand the layout. I didn't understand what I needed to be done like the process, which is simply get a cake from the cooler, bring it up, ask nicely, they do it for you, you walk away. That's the process, mind you. I walked up to the wrong counter, and there was only one sheet cake left, right? And it's not a girl's cake. And there's one other lady, like, lurking around. <laughs> you know what I mean? And she's, like, on the phone. She's like, well, you want me to get on a cake? And I'm just like, oh, no. Oh, no. She's going to take this last cake. Why does so, this happen to you all the time? Because I, who knows, man. So, so now I lean in, and I pick up this last cake, and I'm holding it. Like, I'm like, no, I got this. I got this. I'm like, nope, no, I'm not taking it. So I'm like... I'm like calling my sister. I'm like sending pictures. I'm like, is this too boyish for my for my 11-year-old niece? Um, and the lady looks at me pick up the cake and I think she had the same idea that I did that it was the last one so she's like asking the lady like is that the last cake? <laughs> and the lady's like no there's a huge cooler of cakes over here and then I <laughs> you they walked me over to the cooler shame. so now so now I gotta I gotta put the cake back down all embarrassed and be like never mind uh, so I went back and I picked up the I picked a, a nicer more appropriate cake and I bring it up to the counter and I'm like do you guys put the names on the cake here. I'm, I'm, for some reason, in my head, I'm thinking that I'm going to have to give them this cake and then come back like later on and pick it What's, up, right? Right, like it's, like it's going to get your brakes. Yeah, yeah. He's so, so I walk in, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, um, is, is the frosting master here, man? <laughs> I brought, I'm, like, no, I'm, like, yeah. I'm like, can you guys put a name on this? She's like, well, it's the name. I'm like, happy birthday, Evelyn. And she's like, yeah. I was like, do you want me to come back? She's like, uh, no. I'll be, I'll be done in like a second. She's like, I was like, okay, what what colors? Can I, do you have like colors? She's like, we have red and green. I'm like, oh, red then, I guess. Uh, and it was done in like ten seconds, and I felt like such an idiot. I was like, I'm the worst adult who's ever existed that I can't fully comprehend how to order a cake. <laughs> so yeah. you always go just for the ice cream cake. You don't put people's names on it because who cares? It's ice cream of, cake. Yeah. No, no, ice cream cake it's is already, a scam. It's self-contained. It's a scam. It melts. Or it's too hard to cut. There's no in-between. Ice cream cake is a trap. It goes right <laughs> in the garbage when you're done. You Directly. Don't have a box of cakes sitting in the garbage for two weeks. 
call me the trendsetter. I would much rather somebody just give me a pie, pie. for my birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, that's give me like yeah. a cherry pie, an apple pie, banana yeah. cream pie, almost any kind of pie instead of a cake. Yeah. Cake is useless to cake me. Cake is for kids. That's why Sam can't figure out how to use it. <laughs> um, and then also very quickly, uh, my, my nephew Oliver. Uh, when I was a little kid, I was a nerd. I played video games. I learned today what it was like to be an adult and have a child explain a video game to you and just be lost because my nephew tried to explain Minecraft to me. And I had flashbacks to when I was a kid trying to explain, like, yeah. Donkey Kong Country to my dad. I'm like, no, jump on the alligator's head, and then he turns into an ostrich and run away. What are you not getting about this? <laughs> what do you not understand? It's very simple. And he's just, like, building these structures. I'm like, what are you what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm just putting on armor, and I'm building stone and concrete, and I'm building a castle. I'm like, watch, man, I'm going to mix all these things together. I'm like, what the, what the hell? That I'm happened like, with me with, uh, have you ever heard Friday Night at Freddy's? Did you play that? Five Nights at Freddy's. Five, five yeah, nights that's Freddy's another game that. my niece and nephews I got to explain the concept of that game. That's yeah. That's I realized was like, I just, not iPads and games is not for me the, because I don't know what the hell this kid's talking about. The video about. games we grew up with, uh, like when we were kids, like the, the Marios and like the, you sit around with your buddies and play Mario Kart or something. Yeah. Those days are all gone. Yeah. Like my niece, my two nephews sat playing Minecraft together on two different iPads, but in the same game. What do you mean? Like, the days of, like, sitting down and doing video games. Also, oh, wait, 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 human interaction between brother and sister. Were they playing multiplayer? Like, they were in the same game? Yeah. Like, they were in the same level? Yeah, same level, playing on the... Like, the same screen on each iPad, and they were right. playing together, but on different iPads. Well, yeah, that's not, yeah, really, yeah. that's not really that different than sitting around with controllers. Yeah, but there were different rooms. <laughs> They're not. They're not like sitting they're next the to each house, other. Yeah. They're in the same house. Like, there's not a PlayStation. That we have a Wii. Play bowling or something together. Uh, Talk yeah. to each other about but it. Yeah. But yeah. But now, now I have sympathy for my old man for one of the many times I tried to yell at him, but he didn't understand the video game. Thirty years in, you finally found one. I get it. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to. Uh, we had two serious stories to talk about this week. Uh, the first one is a story that I was kind of embarrassed that I didn't know about. And I guess that's a sad state of affairs that I live in and it may have been a little... Oh, no, you've had a busy week. Uh, we're talking about the wildfire in, in uh, Fort McMurray, Alberta, Canada. Yeah. Um, uh, at this point in time, uh, it forced 80,000 plus people to I evacuate. Was, I was reading yeah. about... I've been reading about this all week. I've been sort of following along and it was going to the point where this thing was like... For a couple straight nights, like, you're reading headlines, and it's like, you know, fire's getting bad, doubles in size mm. overnight. Then it's to the point where, like, we have to evacuate this city because the fire's coming. It's going to yeah. take the whole city. I mean, that's more people than live in the city of Utica. And then, like, the headlines started to be, the last I was reading about it, they were basically saying... Um, Can I read the headlines after you finish that thought? Yeah, well, I mean, they're just, like, it went from there. They're to the point now where, like, there's nothing we can do to control it. We have to hope that it rains, and yeah. that's about it. Like, it's a large, large, so large fire. A simple Google search of Canada Fire. Just look how ridiculous these headlines get, though, as you go through stuff. Fort McMurray fire out of control. Wildfire growing may reach Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. Yeah. Uh, Canada fire. This looks like climate change. Canadian officials hope to put death grip on fire. 20% of Fort McMurray homes destroyed. Like, all of these things are kind of... action news? But it's kind of all a little bit Um, of oil boomtown. Like, it seems like there's a whole bunch of articles with a little bit of information about there that you, like, most definitely have to click through and read. Clickbait. Yeah, Yeah. I could have gone through this list and just came up with a nonsensical Um, thing that's happening in Canada. Well, yeah. I kind of see what you're saying, though, because I tried to... I just tried to do some research on this in the last, like, 25 minutes. I'm reading through articles, and there's a ton of different articles telling totally different stories about this fire. What got me, though, uh, is they're saying it's, like, an area larger than New York City currently right now that's on fire. That's that's Much larger than New York City. I was looking at – there was somebody online who did – 
they were doing some like basically did different maps to mm-hmm. explain how big it would be if it were in different like you know cities of the country and the world and stuff. And it's just like it's so extreme. And I think one of the interesting things, Park, I can see you on the iPad over there. Yeah. I think one of the crazy things about it, you know, living in the times that we live in. Everybody's got video and photo mm. at the ready. Yeah. So there's like, I mean, you can sit and watch hours of video of people evacuating yeah. this fire, and it looks like they're driving through hell. Yeah. Like, it's just, and to mm. be able to see it in there, HD is really... There's a video here of a house. Video shows home home just burning. It's a yeah. minute 40 of a house just burning to mm-hmm. pieces. Uh, and they said it's 0% contained. Yeah. But firefighters are actually optimistic. They can't. <laughs> How the hell are you optimistic? They literally, they were saying they can't do it. They just have to yeah, hope that it rains and burns yeah. itself out. There's a, good, uh, there's a good article actually on Vice News I read about this. Uh, you can look it up. It's called The Ride into the Ashes of Fort McMurray. Uh, there's a quote out of it that, they're, that they quoted. It's uh, a gentleman named Daniel Haas who, fascinating, he's, he evacuated with the 80,000 and he's currently driving back and forth between Fort McMurray and where the evacuated are staying, bringing back supplies, which is theoretically illegal. They sh- like only essential personnel. A yeah, he's like bootlegging <laughs> supplies for like people. Uh, and he has a quote. He said, "It's getting real now. It's like driving through hell." And if you go to the article, there's some really, um, I wouldn't go so far as disturbing, but very chilling photos of the ruins i think it is disturbing to see speaking uh to look right at and think i mean that's how many people you know it's just your city is just gone everything is burned and like fire is very scary in a way that like fire being one of our earliest fears as like a species like when humans were evolving like humans have a very ancient ancient fear of fire it's like a primordial that's what i'm saying right fire is one of the, the you know scariest things in the world and to be able to see it like taking on a place that looks not that different than places we've been and places we've lived. Because fighting fighting a fire is like fighting the ocean, right? It's not it's it's not like uh, it's not definable in that way or controllable in a way that you're used to, right? Like there's it's erratic and you can't. I, I don't know. There's there's some very sinister. I was about reading. It. They were saying um, this fire's grown so big that it's actually creating its own weather systems Jesus. up there. So it's Jesus. like. So, and that's one of the problems they're having is that it's creating so much wind and blowing embers so far, and it's so dry up there. This part of Canada where it is normally still has a little bit of snow on the ground right now. Uh, they barely got any snow, and they've had temperatures in the 90s for the past couple of weeks as mm. opposed to snow on the ground like they normally do. And the fire's gotten so big that it's disrupting the weather, which is making it even harder for them to, you know, you hope that it rains, but, like, mm. this fire is yeah. actually fighting well, I mean, the weather the more, so it doesn't well, rain. the more stuff that it clears out, the less trees catch them. You know what I mean? Like, that's becoming an open field, and there's yeah. nothing stopping wind from blowing through there. That's crazy. Mm. This is going to sound weird. It makes me wonder, like, when this happened before people. Like, even, like, if yeah, you were... Was, you know was, mean? Why like, do you think people have, like, fire gods, and they were, like, terrified of things? And some, That yeah. happened to somebody once, and they had no other explanation just besides the yeah. word, like, like you, be terrified of fire. Like, you're some indigenous American on the West Coast, and, like, how do you... God, that's... Well, no, I say that you all the time. You end up cheating on your wife, and your, your house burns down, and you're, like, just not even that, scared like, of fire. You're forever. somebody in ancient times, even if you just see lightning... Or like a volcano yeah. blows up, you're like, well, this is obviously the gods, and we've angered yeah. them. Yeah, yes, we've yeah. done greatly. We sinned, and they're pissed. But yeah, so uh, yeah, there's a lot of good articles out there. I, yeah. I I would recommend that Vice News article about Daniel Haas. Uh, very fascinating. I also to end that on a, on a slightly brighter note, I did read that there's just a huge, huge outpouring of support in all the mm. communities around Fort McMurray. Like I guess everybody in all the towns around them are just like. 
taken care of everybody. There's a lot of relief. They said that if people want to do anything for them, um, the biggest thing they need right now is donate to the Red Cross. So if this does hit close to home for somebody, do donate to the Red Cross because they'll be needing blood. There are some weird gray areas because it's in Canada. You're in the U.S. donating, so technically you never really know, but it's a good thing to do in practice anyway. Uh, ironically enough, I do want to make one quick point, though. I, heard, I saw an article today that they, uh, there's been offered support by six countries, United States, Mexico, Russia, Taiwan, Israel, and, the Palestine, and Palestine. And Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said, no, thanks. We got no, this. we got this. Yeah. We got this, He's which I thought was a little, I was like, oh, He's all right. He's the man, by the way. I feel guy. like they'll probably, because for right, the trick is, like, you know, you can just say a lot of these countries will send, you know, a lot of people will probably want to send their militaries, and at the end of the day, like, military are not firefighters. They're like, right yeah. now, we don't really have anything for you guys. When it comes time to do recovery and aid to the people, I could see them probably being more open to it then. Yeah. But right now, like, they need firefighters, and just because, you know, you're a Marine in an army doesn't mean you know, you know, you're trained in firefighting. Yeah, I guess at that point, though, you're there for crowd control and, and streamlining, so if there is one road out of town, you're going to need Evacuation person. techniques. Yeah, you know, yeah. so... Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, let it burn. I think Let's it's, see what uh, happens. You can't stop it, apparently. I think so. it's interesting to see, like, Palestine. Palestine. <laughs> like, <laughs> Palestine's like, we'll in Taiwan, too. You, you remember that like, time? We helped you out, Canada. Hey, yeah, I know right. you're on the come up, so we want to get in. Do I go, Israel did it? Ground Israel did it? Papers. We're going to have to do yeah. it. <laughs> Um, all right, so uh, you know we'll we maybe we'll follow up on the story next Imagine week and they see. Settle Israel versus Palestine in well, the blazing know, forests of Canada. I want to know That'd which one of those countries has like a massive reserve of like wood to rebuild houses or something. You know what I mean? So it's like Canada, Canada yeah, definitely. Yeah, I feel like, yeah. One of these countries got some angle where they can offer like, oh, now that everything's built out, we'll help you. Oh, by the way, you need some wood. Above the you frost know? line, everything in Canada is timber. There's no humans. It's there just, is no more frost line. <laughs> it's, it's, gone. it's true. Yeah. All right, so let's. Uh, We'll, we'll be able to check back on that next week, see what the updates are. By yeah, this will be ongoing. Yeah. I mean, Still these people... burning. I want to take odds? No. 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 People are... Actually, nobody's died yet. There's zero no, two people. Two, two people, people have died. Related. In, like, yes. a traffic yeah. accident, yeah. I saw. But, yeah. But no, how many it's... squirrels died? How many wolverines, Parkinson, you lost their life count. for your joke? God. How many moose? It's not Elk. a joke, dude. You can contain a fire and just let it burn out. It doesn't cause a danger to everybody. It happens in California all the time. They Let's, contain and smother. You're out of your mind. I might contain and smother you in a have minute. You ever fought, <laughs> have you ever fought a wildfire? All right. Either of you? Let's move on. We're moving on. All right. Uh, again, uh, we talked about this uh, returning to the show after a 40-week hiatus. Uh, Tim Schramm, you may know him best as the man behind the dev. Uh, we didn't really talk about the dev or how he got started for this interview because if you want to hear that, go back to episode number six. We talked about it in depth. So we really tried to focus on Tim's... 40 episodes later. Which is all episodes are available on Uticast.com. Uticast.com. Every single one of them. (laughs) Uh, But let's uh, just give you a quick rundown. Uh, Tim Schramm's new solo project, Gingivitis, the album is Future Failure. Uh, The album release party was on May 7th. Uh, He released it on cassette, which is a cool look. Uh, I talked a little bit about that with him. Uh, I also pitched him on a band called the Dino Bros, where we do sludge rock about extinction. He's into it. So let's uh, let's get into spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, he's into it. So let's get into my interview with Tim Schramm, and we'll be back in just a minute.
<laughs> we tend to pipe more dinosaur sounds in on our broadcast. Can you have like one of those, like just like a little sampler that plays like dinosaur sounds or like wrestling? You know, like We've talked about that a lot, actually. That's a real thing. You can at least do one episode. <laughs> that's like a morning show type of thing with the stupid sound effects. You know? That was that was the idea behind the first show that me and Dano did, which was. Uh, we're making fun of morning sports. Famo and the Wookiee was a takeoff of, like, dumb sports titles. I wanted to call it something poignant. I was like, I want to call it, like, the 2-3 zone. It'll be about Syracuse. <laughs> and he's like, no, dude. It's, no. If it's Famo and the Wookiee or we don't. It's gotta, yeah, it's got to be, like, the morning drive, <laughs> you know, radio music, you know. Um, <laughs> well, let me, let, me, let me start by prefacing where we are and what we're doing. Uh, I'm sitting here. In the uh, in your sneak your sneaky secret studio here in the Mayro building, it's beautiful. I won't tell anyone more than that. But this is it's tough for me as a musician, uh, as a guy who self associates as a musician at least, uh, to be in a room with all this wonderful equipment and not get easily easily distracted. But we are here with um, for all you nerds out there in in the comic book universe. They have lots of parallel universes where things are slightly different and slightly the same, like Earth, Earth Two, Earth Three, things like that. I feel like me and Tim are weird alternate dimension versions of each other. Uh, Tim, if you don't know him, is I'm the, the bald main, version of the, the, I'm getting there. <laughs> don't the man. universe where I'm the bald one. <laughs> uh, well, uh, Tim, we all know you from uh, all the things you do at the Dev Utica. Uh, and if people want to listen to, you were actually on our sixth episode. Yes. Back before people really knew what the show was. And now we're on episode 46. So 40 episodes really? since you've been on. Yeah. Guys are killing it. Time flies, and I'm <laughs> nice. stressed out constantly. Um, <laughs> keep you busy. Keep you busy. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so you know you've been doing great work at the Dev. You guys just celebrated your three-year anniversary party, yes. uh, which was a great time. Super fun. Um, and if you want to go back and listen to a lot of the stuff, we did talk about a lot of the Dev stuff in the first yeah, interview. Yeah. So we're not going to focus on that, but uh, you should go back and listen to uh, your first interview, even because a lot of those interviews got deleted early on. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You're in, in SoundCloud. Account damn you! Right. Damn you! SoundCloud free. You gotta uh, pay for it. <laughs> um, so we're here today to talk about uh, your band and your brand new album release, man. Uh, so let's talk about the band, Gingivitis. The album is Future Failure. You guys have the album release party, which is May 7th. Now, I sadly have to admit, by the time this show airs, the release party is already going to have happened. But That's I'm okay. going to assume, based on what I've heard, that it's already been a rousing success and everyone loves it. I'm hoping so. And I'm going to clarify, it's not a band. It's just me. I can see. I have this debate. It's just me. I, I have this debate with I myself. I wish it was a band. But I'm, I'm, working like, on, I'm working on that part. I appreciate you as a musician, though, because I have a solo project that I also named something that wasn't Sam Pamelaro. Why do you? What is it about that? Like, why do we feel we need to name things? I don't like know. This? I like. I have this ever-growing list in my phone of like it says weird band names and shit. Oh yeah. And I just I hear something. It's either sounds funny to me or just like a weird mixture of words or it just I like the sound of it and I'll just write that down. So I have this ever-growing list and actually every song on that album since they're all instrumentals is taken from that list as well. Oh so yeah. I have this obsession of doing it. It's like I'll have different projects and like oh this sounds a little bit different. I'm gonna name it something else because. Yeah. Nothing really, I don't know, I don't consider myself a musician, really. Like, I'm a drummer, for sure, but, like, I don't really know how to play anything else, and I just yeah. play around with sounds, so, like, I'd say I can use it for whatever, because it's not really me as a musician, you know? I'm trying to think of a couple of good ones from, I, because, I, again, Alternate Universe, I, mean, I have this list, I'm thinking Parliament of Trees was one that I, that was it's a song, exactly the that was a song for a while, <laughs> uh, Lazy Lexiconographers was one my girlfriend at the time threw at me that I didn't like as much initially, but then she pitched it. So like, it's pretty good. And then now I sort of like it. Yeah. Nine <laughs> I'm like, it's pretty good. Like a bit. Kind of like. um, but uh, I actually I had to look up a little bit of information about this. This is you guys have been doing. Well, you've been doing this since 1998 under this title, yeah. and this is the seventh 
album. Yeah, seven full completed thing. A lot of it is, you know, I'll just, I just make stuff constantly. Yeah. Every once in a while, I'll put it together as a collection. There's, there may be nothing pulling it together, um, and it just, it can be random. And it's, it's only been, like, sporadic throughout the years, because I've always played in bands, and this is always something I just do on the side. Yeah. Like, you know, I started with a four-track cassette and tape player, and, and it, I started with, like, a little sampler and a drum machine and a little Yamaha keyboard, you know, into, into a four-track cassette tape. You know, I, well, I assume that you're probably like Prince in that way, or uh, to a lesser extent, somebody like me. Compare me to Prince. Well, I mean, like, <laughs> what I mean is, you, my assumption is, knowing you the way I know you, that you probably have tons of material that's just on deck that you probably haven't ever released to anybody. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean, um, I don't usually make it a deal to release anything. I just kind of put it on my website, or yeah. back in the day, I would just dub a couple tapes or something, give it to my friends, and I don't, I never really try to do anything with it, you know. Mm. Well, um, I, you actually have a lot of uh, a lot of collaborative work that's been on this album too. Yes. I was looking at it. Uh, you talk a lot. You know, you're always very vocal about how creative this this town is. You know, and so many amazing musicians in this town, it's, and of all so many different genres too. And it was nice to be able to bring a bunch of people together to do the remixes, to really. And I, I was saying before, like I, mm. I feel like it's better than what I initially created. Like it grew on. I mean, there's there's different. It's my stuff is all you know. It's all electronic based. You know, synthesizers and, and drum machines and a little bit of live drums that are just triggered. Um, and then, you know, some of the remixes, there's one of my buddies did, he's a he's a DJ and electronic musician, but he decided to do a metal version. So it's like metal, <laughs> a metal, like this epic, like soundtracky <laughs> giant metal song. And there's like two hip hop tracks or yeah. some like Aphex Twin style stuff or some 80s chase mu- scene music. Yeah. Like it's, it's all over the place. It's great. It's, uh, well, that, that was the part that fascinated me because I was looking at the, uh, I was looking at it and I was like, wow, he's really got. He did all these remixes on here. I saw Thomas has got one on there. Yeah, Thomas D is also on there. He was actually one of the first people to do it before I even decided I was going to do an album. I had just sent him this track, like, just because he's one of the people that actually listens to my stuff Mm -hmm. and we listen to each other's stuff. Another one who has a million things that doesn't put them, doesn't share them. And he gave that to me and that kind of, like, got the ball rolling to, like, I was like, I should have every, all these people do remixes, so. I know this is a solo project Mm -hmm. for you, necessarily. Um. But in your process, in your writing process, do you do you work with anybody in general? Have you ever are you do you like working collaboratively with people? Oh yeah, I mean like I, I, I play in bands whenever I get the chance. It's been tough since I've been since I've been back in Utah because yeah. I do a million things. I don't want to be that guy that says I'm going to play in this band and not commit to it, not show up for practice. So I haven't really pursued doing any band things. But for a lot of times, I get together with different people every week. Yeah. I try to get. I've, I've been trying to get together with you guys I mean, to jam too. I, we've been our schedules are so all over the place. But the main person I do. I do play with fungi dave borgia yep we get together we try to get together at least once a week and mm-hmm. you know his synthesizers are all sitting right in front of, in front of <laughs> us here um he's when he takes a break from using his modular synths and comes down and does because uh, me and him click musically so yeah. well that we just improvise yeah and so he's he had started white noise wednesday with me at the dev and since then we've just been locked like every week mm-hmm. we get together you know unless i'm like terribly sick or something like that um, you sort of self-associated yourself as a drummer earlier when we were talking about stuff. How long have you been playing drums? Did you play back in high school? Did you play growing up? Yeah. Or, um, yeah. I started playing when I was like, I started picking it up when I was like 15 or so. And then after I moved up here when I was 16, I got into doing electronic music. And I mm. started, I played drums here and there. I played in like a little punk, like a little gutter punk band for a while. <laughs> and like, But I didn't have any money 
And the money I did have, I spent on drum machines. Yes. So I would never, I really had, like, I would play sheet metal. Like, I had these kits yeah. of sheet metal. Like, I had one <laughs> bass drum and a floor tom and then a, and a steel sawhorse with sheet metal clamped on it, and I would play that. And then finally, like, as time went on, I, I started hanging around with more drummers, or I had my friend left his drums in the um, house and play all the time. Drums is a humbling instrument. Um, drums is the last instrument that I learned. I, I started off as a bass player poorly. Guitar player poorly tried keep the, the um, <laughs> uh, drums. Drums is one that for some reason I think maybe as a guy who I was a singer guitar player or I was associated with being singer guitar player for a long time. So I think all singer guitar players want to be drummers. So when I got the opportunity to do it, I was just like, oh, this yeah, is this is the jam. Like I can't believe that no one wants to do this more often. Well, like, yeah, I, when you're carrying them around all the time, like yes. I play really small kids. I mean, I have the Frankenstein kit now with all the drum triggers, which is to it, beautiful, but... by the way. I love I love Frankenstein kit. Like that's that's so up my alley. I'm. Yeah. I love it. It's it, that one really doesn't move if I can help it. I have other <laughs> drum sets. Like I have, you know, I have the house, the like, two house kits over the dev that are really small. I love playing on like the most basic kit. I played in a rockabilly band for a couple years, and I love that. Really, it's just like kick, <laughs> snare, ride, and sometimes I'd have floor tom. And I'd st- I played standing up, so I didn't have to bring a throne with me. It was great. I, you know? I like how subtly you just threw in that it was a rockabilly band. It was like the cramps. Like that's not something I have to come back and ask. <laughs> like I can't let that slip by. Uh, well, that's actually that ties into a little bit about something that uh, I want to talk to you about. Um, as a musician, sometimes I've gotten into these weird K-holes where I've always wanted to do, like, genre albums. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I got into a band specifically because I wanted to do Pink Floyd-style yeah, stuff. Yeah. And then I wa- got into a different band because I wanted to do Minutemen-style stuff. Did you ever have... Well, right, you mean, but, like, have you ever had, like, situations like that where, you know, again, you had the Gingivitis Project. It yeah. sounds like you've done other projects yeah. as well. Have you ever gotten into that thing where you start chasing a sound? That's, like, something I... Yeah, I, I think, too, that... that goes into the bands that I've played with yeah. over the years where it's like I, I for my for my own stuff I have whatever comes out of here yeah. it ends up being fairly similar I experiment with different things but when it comes to wanting to play a particular sound like that's I'll reach out and try to find a band or other people that want to play it and play in a band yeah. you know, so, and sometimes it just finds me which is, mm. has been really good like like that rock really band it was just an old friend of mine I wasn't even living here at the time and I happened I, it was one of my times where I moved back for like two years and it was like, mm. let's do it. Let's do this. And I was like, yes, I've been wanting to do this for so long, you know. Well, one of the powers, I think, of playing with other people, and especially, you know, you you strike me as a guy who's a little bit like me, like uh, a little bit of a frantic creative type. Like, you have a lot of ideas you want to get out. Oh, yes. What I've noticed over <laughs> the years is sometimes playing with other people uh, leads to learning to check and balance yourself a little bit. Like, Absolutely. instead of having... Uh, I've had bands that have let me go off and do my weird nonsense, but yeah. I've had other people who've reined me back in. And learning over the time, I actually kind of like playing with weird limits now. Like this is the this is the soundscape we're playing. Yeah, and, you know what I mean. I, As I yeah, when it comes to playing live, yeah. that's definitely yeah. something that I've learned from playing in so many bands over the years. And I I always end up being the guy in the band. It's like okay guys, come on, come, like reel it in. Like we got we got a show, we got to practice. Like I always ended up being that that person in the band that was like. All right, we're we're getting a little off here. Let's bring it back over here. Mm. So no, I totally understand. That's definitely something that's come from playing with other people. Um, you had a uh, very very excellent interview with uh, Maiden Utica's Kate Riley. It's up on yes. Maiden Utica website. Kate's She's wonderful. great. Uh, there's a quote that was taken out of here that I want to I want to talk to you about. <laughs> and it was uh, you described uh, future failure as the quote soundtrack to an average day in a post apocalyptic future. Yes. Uh, as a man who has a stand tattoo, I feel very strongly about the post-apocalyptic world. I have strong feelings. Yes. Uh, but you actually talked about uh, being a little bit inspired by uh, John Carpenter's uh, soundtrack stuff, oh, yeah. uh, Georgia Marauder. Um, I think that's really fascinating. I, I love the idea of 
I'm always curious about like soundtrack music. I, I, that's I'm a, one of my favorite I, things to do. <laughs> everything, pretty much. I I, uh, com- I compare all the things that I do on my own, especially yeah. the Ginger Vice stuff, because it's instrumental. It's it's a soundtrack to something. It's yeah. always going to be a soundtrack, and I love. I that's why I work with a lot of visual artists. Yeah, and I'll do, mm-hmm. and a lot of those videos that I did for them came like two of them. I think I used. Yeah, they're originally were the basis for two local artists mm. for their performances. And I just ended up putting glitch yeah. stuff along with them. And I made them originally in a different way for a different thing. Well, and I don't want you to think I'm trying to pander to you, but mm. I, you know, I think what you, the, the music you're creating and the, the whole visual and visceral aspect of it as well, you know, you're, mm. you're a web designer, you're a graphic designer as well. Like you do a lot of other stuff besides being a musician that creates a full encapsulation. I wouldn't necessarily say there's anything on this album, which I do really like, by the way, no. that you would say is like, oh man, this is a, this is a, gonna blow up the hit charts single. This is no. a no. statement album, and it's yeah. it's an album that creates a feeling and a visceral emotion. Yeah, um, it's something larger than that, and that's what I appreciate with what the album is. It's, nice. it's even going down. Glad to you got that because it's for to, for me. Yeah. I always, I had said before, it's like, I'm a sci-fi nerd, like, I, yeah, love, yeah. I, I read sci-fi stuff, I have my whole life, and mm. my music, I always think of it in, like, a futuristic aspect of, like, what will aliens be yeah. making, and every once in a while, I'll have, like, a, I've done a couple things in the past that were way more of a structured theme, yeah. where I'm like, I'm, I'm doing this, this yeah. is, like, the, the, throughout a day, or this is, I did one album a couple years ago under my other project that I sing and play drums on, as, mm. oh, it's like a mixture of gingivitis. Um, and that I did an entire one. It was like, what would the year, what would the world be like in the year five thousand six? Yeah. So each song was a different scenario that I could come up. That's with. That's pretty good. So man. the lyrics were based on that, and I would try to get the music to go along with that as much as possible. You know. Yeah. When we were doing, uh, I was doing a band in in New York called the Filthy Huns, and uh, it was me and my good friend, uh, my good friend Adam Goldstein, and my great great tattoo artist friend Teague Smith. Shout out to Teague Smith wherever you are. I haven't seen you in a long time. <laughs> Thanks for all the... I know, I didn't say that. Sorry. Wait, Justin's over there. Yeah. Uh, uh, but it was funny. We kind of set a weird limit to ourselves because we wanted to do, like, weird punk rock, like, gutter mm. punk, like, Minuteman style stuff. And I played yeah, a couple It's one of my dude. most fun things to play, really, um, like, punk and metal. But when you got to, like, writing lyrics, we were very specifically, like, no love songs. Yeah. Nothing about women. Yeah. And we got off in this weird tangent where we're writing songs... Almost like Twilight Zone episodes, right? Like just telling weird stories about men falling through doors into other dimensions and like nonsense. This is why we're parallel. That's pretty much exactly what I but do what when I do write. Yeah, but what I'm saying is like that's what you're you're thinking about the larger package, you know. And I've been in there's different kinds of bands, and I've been in bands where you want to play hit songs for people to get excited yeah. about. It is what it is. And sometimes that's super um, fun. Like I, you know. I'm gonna throw two. Any of it. I want to throw two bands at you that I got when I was listening to you very personally. I listened to a couple of things, uh, Mogwai and Boards of Canada. Specifically, Boards of Canada. I was like, man, I bet it's you. It's funny. I don't listen to that band at all. I I actually I have some of their stuff, and yeah. a couple of my friends have ranted and raved about them for years. I don't take this the wrong way, but I don't really care for them. I find them really? kind of boring. Really? Yeah. And I love ambient music, and yeah. I will put them on when I'm chilling out. Don't get me wrong. I like That's them. Fair. I, I bought their stuff. I um, Mogwai, I absolutely love them. Like I just got their new album. I've been listening to it constantly. They did like, a soundtrack for a like a French. Zombie they've, done a, movie? they've done a ton of different ones. Yeah. Um, well, the Boards of Canada thing is interesting because Boards of Canada is a is like a divisive band. Like there are Boards of Canada albums that I like, and then Boards of Canada albums that I skipped. Do you know what I mean? So like I, I can. Yeah, it's just an overall thing. It's um, like I I love. Other stuff that sounds so similar, so I don't know what sets that off with me about them. Maybe it's because mm. 
so many people like put them on this pedestal where I'm like, I've been listening yeah, to, not, I've heard this stuff for like, for so long and it's not, not any different or anything. It's not any, any more yeah. special. Not to say it's not great. I Listen, own it. Man, I buy it. You don't have but, to, yeah. you don't have to justify it to me. I'm one of the most pretentious music fans in the world. I, I, just, I, I just try not to talk, <laughs> talk trash about No, man. Fans, you know? What are you listening to these days? Oh, Probably a tough question to ask. No, it's not actually because I've been obsessed with a few things lately. It has been King Gizzard and Lizard Wizard. That's a phenomenal band. Australian band, <laughs> rock and roll as fuck. I mean, they are just uh, the epitome of what rock and roll to me should sound like because it pumps me up. <laughs> it's all it's, everything's like really upbeat, and they play. They've made a ton of albums in the past couple of years, and they're very different stylistically, like mm. rock wise. So that I've been listening to obsessively. And I don't listen, to, even though I make all electronic music, I listen to a lot of electronic music, but for mm. the most part, I get obsessed with things that are completely in any genre. And I was like, I can't, unless it's like pop country, like I probably rock it, you know? Like <laughs> I laugh sometimes thinking about like in the theoretical future where I have theoretical children, they're going to be really confused by why I'm still listening to like 50 Cent. And like, and like, and just the weird music that I like now. Like, I go back to my classic like, hip hop every and, now and well, then too. I guess what my concern is sometimes for me is that I tend to get caught in K holes listening to the same things over and over yeah, again. I never do. Like, I can't. I, I can't stop like devouring music on a weekly basis. And like it's surprising when I find something that I really am obsessed with that I'll listen to for a week straight. Yeah. You know, that's, it's, that's different for me, but it's happened twice in the past year. It's tough now for me because I'm not on a computer in an office as much anymore. I used to have a lot of free time at the office to look up stuff, and yeah. now it doesn't happen as much anymore. Uh, so I tend to fall back on, like, Steely Dan and, like, LCD Sound System. Like, oh. I don't know what I'm going to listen to, so I'm just going to put these that's albums. another one. I never really got into them. I saw I saw them live at Madison Square Garden for that supposedly last show. Another back. Yeah, it yeah. ruined it for me. Yeah. Thanks, James Murphy. It happens. That's what I get for stealing his. When Facebook you get offered photo. so much um, so much money to play, it's kind of hard to turn it down. You know, it's like um, even Ween is back too. You know, it's like I come know. on. Yeah? Uh, I do want to talk about one more thing. I know yeah. we're we're getting over. Uh, well, two things. We go off. I know. We go I know. off topic so easily, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is fine with me. It's uh, fine. Two things I want to talk about very quickly. One, love the album artwork. Thank uh, you. Oh, I want to give yeah. a big heads up. Mike Terzanski, he's originally from the Utica area. He's based yeah. out of Rochester now. He has this incredible band called Drippers. Mm. They played the anniversary party. Nice. He also does a lot of the work for Green Dreams who were playing when you guys were... They were playing there. when we walked. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and he he sends me a, a, lot, a lot... One of the reasons I get so many Rochester bands is because of him, mm. first off. He's an amazing artist and musician. And the guys at the Bug Jar up there always send me bands. Oh, My buddies in Scope and Figure uh. who are a band up there that Zeno is uh, producing their album right now. <laughs> like all this and he I just hit him up I was like I hmm. usually make my own artwork because I do design or whatever but I, I did the same thing with like with the logo at the dev I knew I was spending too much time thinking about it yeah. I had to give it to somebody else yeah I sent him the tracks I said I told him a couple colors hmm. I want that I've, that I've been liking lately and he's a he's this, he's a monster yeah. with the amount of stuff that he puts out it's awesome and he a couple days later he simultaneously did the flyer for our three year anniversary just offered to do it yeah because his band was playing and then he was like, oh, here's, within a span of three days, he, pa he passed it back to me. And I was like, I did the, you know, the layout and everything in the inside. And he was like, oh, here, I did a logo thing for you, too. And it was dope. I was like, this is so good. I actually have, like, he, last time he was down, I bought some vinyl he had with this giant poster in it. Oh, yeah. Like, it's some, uh, I don't Shit. know if he did the artwork for it or played on it. Oh, yeah. Man, he just gives me this, like, huge thing. It's just a pattern thing, but I love weird pattern. His oh, yeah. of colors no. is just Hell, amazing. Yeah, He's like, oh, here, here's a poster. This is like an insert for some vinyl huh. album that he did. It's so cool. Um, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a funny bug jar story very quickly. Um, <laughs> back in the day, I was playing in a band called The Blueprint. 
uh, me and Kevin Sullivan were in it. Yeah. Co-host yeah. of the show, Kevin Sullivan. Uh, we played out at the Bug Jar, and it was at a time in the band when I was feeling a little bit like, I think we suck. <laughs> like, we might... Down your We certainly... No, we, right, were, we were getting at, like, a point creatively where I was like, I think... I think I'm... I think I might be... I hit my, my pinnacle here with mm, what I'm going to do with stag- it. Like, we feel like, I feel, stagnant. I, I feel like people aren't getting into it. I feel like people aren't getting it. Um, so I, I ended up leaving the show, like, leaving the stage a little bit, kind of, nah. And this woman walked up to me, and I forget who she was. She must have been friends with somebody throwing pens around. She must have been friends with somebody's brother. <laughs> and she stops me. She's like, hey, man, thanks. You know, thanks. It was a great show. Do you know who you remind me of? Which is horrifying to me. It's the most horrifying thing you need to say is, you know who you remind me of? And I'm like, so you're always going to hear it. Yeah. No matter because, what, you're always going to hear it. Well, because what I always used to get, because I used to have a really deep voice when I was a kid, it's like, you sound like that guy from Stain. And I'm like, oh, God. Punch you in the heart. Uh, but, <laughs> of all the things. But so, so I'm prepared. I'm already in a bad mood. And now I'm prepared for her to just be like, you sound like Mumford and Sons, and I'm going to just, you know, smash my head through a car window. But she's like, you guys sound a lot like hot water music. And I, I, it's like one of my bands, I was and, say, I'm, you've told me and I'm just before, like, right? I grab this one. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> thank you, thank you so much. You like revitalized my like. So I'm like at the bug jar, and I'm really hyped up. And then I saw a sticker on the on the bar. They had all the stickers in the bar for all the bands who played there, and there Still was a, and there was a cursive sticker. And I was nice. like, did cursive play here? And they're like, yeah, man. I was like, cursive played here. So now I'm feeling really great. Yeah. And then some, get some good stuff. And then as I was leaving the bar to load gear into the car, someone was playing the song "Shine a Light" by Wolf Parade, which I'd never heard before until that moment. And I said. Hey man, what's this song? And they said Wolf Parade, and I, I said, like that. I, like I was like that. Bug Jar. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry, I've got all no, the I get it. Hey, there's, I, they send we trade bands back and forth nice. constantly because the main booking agent there is Tim Avery, yeah, yeah. band called Secret Pizza, who are also fantastic and are coming back down here this yeah. summer. Um, it's I, we, I have a great working relationship with them, which is it gets you know makes bands happy, and I go there for shows. I go to, you know I go to Rochester yeah. whenever I get the chance, and I always go. I always catch something new and interesting there. You know, such a cool venue too, with like yeah. the the. The the living room. Up, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so I do want to talk one more thing uh, that I think is fascinating. You decided to go with the cassette tape release. <laughs> okay. Um, I like this idea. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of people, have, I've seen a lot more people coming around to this idea. I uh, I told Katie when I talked to her, I was like, I roll my eyes when these bands, these really young kids were coming in and selling tapes. And I'm like, yeah. you know how frustrating it was to live through <laughs> having to use those yeah. things? And it kept happening, and then I see, you know, the price goes, it's pretty cheap. I understand these kids don't yeah. have a lot of money, and it's a kitschy thing. I thought it was going to disappear. Yeah. Uh, you know, one one kid said to me, when he's like, yeah, but you know, when you put it on, you just leave it on. You listen to the whole thing. You yeah. get to appreciate a whole That's album. That's a great point, actually. And you get to uh, respect, like, the, the way everything's organized, like, the way the songs are tracked. And I was like, that's a great idea, and if it's forcing the MP3 generation into, like, consuming mm. something more than a single serve option i was like that's good and all these years since i hated tape so much because i had to use them i never got one actual pressed actually yeah, yeah. pressed you know i've done cds you know i'm working on doing some uh, some vinyl for next year yeah. you know i've done i've done digital for the past couple years so i don't really care i'm not really i don't try to sell my music right i'm giving away I, you know i know like, what you mean yeah I'm i don't I, i'm not trying to make money off of my music uh and so i was like you know this would be fun because i like the physical object you know like i love buying vinyl because it's a physical object I may listen to it every once in a while. I'm a ritual, my Sunday morning ritual, putting on a record and having some coffee, but I don't, you know, I'm listening to it digital. Yeah, yeah. But I like to have a physical copy because I love buying music. It's one of my favorite things yeah. to do. It's terrible for me because I spend, spend so much money on music and musical equipment. <laughs> but so the tape was just, it was natural and it was pretty cheap. 
to do, and I found a good spot that did really good work. They did actually come back to me and say, we're going to have to charge you a little bit more money because we usually don't do 90-minute tapes. Yeah. Because the way I set up <laughs> yeah. tapes, like, side A is my stuff, side B is the remixes. Yeah. Since I got so much from people. Yeah. That was 28 like, tracks on yeah, the thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was like I could fill up. There's even more remixes that didn't make it on there, yeah. too, because by the time I had to send it off to get yeah. pressed. And so I'm going to be posting those on the Bandcamp page, at least, so you can download them for free. Um, so, again, by the time this interview comes up, the... The party will have already happened. Uh, I am sure it's going to be a huge success because everything you've done has been a huge success over there and all the music is great and you stand behind it. Uh, Just real quick before I let you go, I got one band name for you and I got it. Here's the pitch. Um, Ironic stoner sludge rock band about the dangers of extinction. We can call it the Dino Bros. And then that's just what we'll do for yeah, it. I think this. that's... I, I love it. You gotta, Timmy, get, you gotta get kept Sullivan in the too. I know. We're going to do it. I promise. Uh, <laughs> thanks, brother. Thanks a lot for everything, man. Oh, we'll be back you. to the show in just a moment. Tim Schramm, he's one of a kind, folks. He's good people. Um, I did plan initially on getting uh, a couple of the tracks and playing them during the episode, but in the in the wake of all the stuff going on, I just never got around to it. So maybe yeah, next he week. put them up for digital download. He did, yeah. I know, I saw that. Yep. I saw that. So if you if you want to hear them, they're up on digital download. Um, easy to find. <laughs> So uh, a couple things pop culture related this week we can talk about. Uh, one that hits very close to home, and we'll get it right right off the bat. Radiohead has a new album. Yes, finally. Yeah, after it's, six years. It's been a long time coming. I'm very excited. Six years. Um, what's the name of the album? I, I saw it, but I don't remember it. A moon shaped pool. A moon shaped pool. Yes. Uh, I've read that it's very dark. Is what I've heard. It's a dark album. With a name like that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like Radiohead, Parkinson? I don't mind Radiohead. Um, I just don't care about new music releases like that. I like seeing things live, so I don't really get hyped mm. for albums. Um, I'm sure in passing, or like you guys are, cl- like I'm gonna hear it inevitably. But yeah. I'd be more excited yeah. if like Radiohead was playing somewhere where I could see them. Well, I the don't co- really give a well. The cool, the, the cool thing about stuff. them is it's been six years since the yeah. last one, and they've been for like the last couple years they've been on the fence. Like everybody knows they were working. They've put out songs and played stuff at live shows, so people have been going to concerts. Yeah. And like, well, what's this and what's this? And the cool thing was that they did it. They released a single out of nowhere last week with mm. a video, and then they released another one. They said, this is from our album, which is coming out in three days, and yeah. here it is, and yeah. it just goes. I love the way that they do that, where they come out and are really sort of like changing the way albums come out, and they're just like, here's our album. It's coming out in a couple days, digital download, or you can buy mm. this package and like different tiers and everything. Yeah. Radiohead has always had a history of being sort of on the cutting edge for how they release albums. You go back to In Rainbows, you go back to a lot of the solo stuff. They always find interesting ways. I think it was fascinating that they probably have had better success since they left their label and have gone to like producing by themselves almost, yeah. right? Like, yeah. yeah. Which is which is not super common. Uh, I, I want to say one thing about the video, though. Uh, I think we retweeted it on the uh, on the Twitter, but uh, the video is called "Burn the Witch." Um, for anyone who's ever seen it, it's actually a stop motion animation video, but it's a callback to a 1970s cult movie called "The Wicker Man," 
uh, which yeah. was remade in the 2000s into another cult movie called The Wicker Man, but for all the wrong reasons. Is that uh, Kevin Bacon? That was Nicolas Cage. It's like oh, one of the worst movies ever made. Good the, f- God. No, the first Wicker Man is a dope movie, though, and the video was really cool. I'm a sucker for stop motion animation. It's mm. like a dying art, and I liked yeah. it. It's pretty cool. Uh, Radiohead is, you know, it's weird because we're so biased because they we made, love them so much. Their second video, the video they made for Daydreaming, was directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. Really? Yeah. Because they, because Johnny Greenwood has done the soundtrack for a couple of his films now, so he directed the music video for Daydreaming. Radiohead is definitely going to be my old man pretentious band that I'm still going to be like getting their albums when they release. I'm going to assume they're just going to keep releasing albums. I just assume they don't seem like they're. Well, gonna that's be... the talk. It seems like this one might be the last one. Yeah. Yeah, that's mm. a lot of people Never think the last it might with be. anybody. They finally put uh, they finally did a recorded studio version of True Love Waits, mm. the last song on their song they've been playing for over 20 years. Yeah. It's uh, I've everybody said it feels like the last. I've listened to I've listened to a couple of songs. I haven't had the chance to sit down and give the whole thing the type of like you know attention I'd like to give mm-hmm. to it. Where I can just like sit down, and listen to the whole thing through and everything. Yeah. But from the bits I've heard, it sounds like I'm gonna be very very pleased. Like from the you know three or four songs I've listened to up to this point. What I find fascinating about Radiohead sometimes is uh, in a different scenario, like Radiohead would have been a one hit wonder. Right? Like, if OK Computer doesn't break, right, the way that it did, like, they might have been that band that made Creep. And that's, and then the Benz wasn't quite as, it's a great album, don't be wrong. I don't know how popular the Benz was in retrospect. I actually really enjoyed the Benz. The ben, I think the it's Benz, amazing. It's yeah, like the, only, the Benz was, the Benz was wildly, wildly popular. And that pulled them out of the Creep thing. And then OK Computer just launched them yeah. into the stratosphere. But think about what a weird world it would be if, if Creep was just like the one-off Radiohead one-hit wonder that people mm. talked about. And there I was, think you know what's crazy is that it still well is. Yeah. It's I still kind of, a lot of people. Yeah. A lot I of think people. he's Creep well aware of that too and has removed well, himself as far as possible for a reason though is because he probably had a good feeling is that I don't want to be known only for this song even by they, the they general masses. They wrote a song about it called yeah. My Iron Lung which is about I think Creep. They don't like they don't even make that kind of music anymore either you know no. what i mean like it's just sort of it's not even the same band other than the fact that you can mm. tell that it's the same vocalist kind of yeah well they're um that was one of the best live shows i've ever seen they are yes always sometimes as a musician i, I still self-categorize as a musician as me and tim talked about um i i have a bad habit of going to watch live shows especially like local live shows and i i don't pay attention to the music i'm just watching what they're doing and i'm Judging them, yes, I right? know exactly mm-hmm. what you mean. Uh, it's, Not I, necessarily you, judging in a bad way, but you're like just I'm watching. Like, ah, what's, what's going this on? This is interesting. Yeah. He's doing this. <clears throat> and I mean, like but you're there for a performance too. Yeah. You know, it's as much as the, the music as the show. But you know? with Radiohead, there's there's none of that. It's just like, ah, uh, oh my god. Like I feel like I should quit music because I will never be able to attain these heights. Uh, that being said, I've tried to pitch Radiohead at my stepdad a couple times. He's into music a lot, and it just doesn't. It goes right. Yeah. There's right a lot of people him. I don't yeah. really like Radiohead, music that just miss it. Radiohead for me is very similar to what I experience on the the festival scene with Biscuit Kids. Is that there's a a deep appreciation for what they what it's the visuals, it's the music, and everything that it just seems like a niche of people get. And if you get it, you really, really enjoy it. But yeah. just stumbling upon it, the appearance of like a biscuit set and everything, and the way it goes makes sense to people. It's just hard yeah. to get behind. Radio has a little bit like that for me. Is like I really appreciate it. It's just not all of this for me. They're, so and they are also, I mean, for... they're a band who you do have to kind of pay attention and make the investment. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they're not somebody who you're just gonna pop on a song first time and like. This is amazing. I love this song. This is my jam. It requires a little bit more 
little more attention to be paid to it. And I think that's one of the cool things they do is they make a lot of their stuff so immersive, like you were saying, like the full show and the yeah. art. Like this new album came out and they're putting it out in the special edition with like a thirty-six page book of like art and a specific look and themes. It's very biscuits. Like, they're very alternate it, universe biscuitish is what it reminds me a lot of for some reason. The disco biscuits for yeah. those who aren't. Yeah. The, yeah, I'm not familiar with the disco biscuits myself. They're like honestly. a they're like a weird, very like a weird fl- jam band thing. Yeah. I think. Uh, um, well, here's the thing. That kind of ties into Tim. You know, me and Tim talked about it during the interview. Tim is not just a, a music maker. He's a visual effects yeah. creator. He's a web designer. Like, when he makes that Ginger Vitus uh, Future Failure album, it's not just the music. It's a larger... There's more to it than just the music. It's creating art in a way. There's right. visual... Even the yeah. album art on it is beautifully done. It's all meant to, to be something. And Radiohead is kind of like that. Every little, Every little thing matters... And everything is more than just music. It's there's an artiness to it, and that's super pretentious sounding. It's, I feel like no, it's a hard. fanboy. You no. sound just like a fanboy. I no, get. it's for not Tim. Even... I know I'm a huge <laughs> fanboy for Tim. I can't help it. No, it's it's not. All it is is that in a day where it's really easy to crank out an album on your laptop, hmm. it's nice to see somebody put in the effort to making it like a whole package and experience. Like see to see somebody go that extra mile. You appreciate it if you're somebody who likes to consume art. You know what I mean? Calling it right now. Moonshape Pool album of the year. For the Grammys next year, just calling it right now. It's gonna for be the a, Grammys. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. You never know though. It's one, a, of these, one of these like middle of the road people might release. They something. owe it to them when Steely Dan stole it the year that In Rainbows should have won. That's a good point. Just throwing that out there. Good point. I saw Radiohead at a festival for the first time. You guys ever been to festivals? You guys go to rock and roll festivals? Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, no. <laughs> Parkinson goes to festivals. Mine are more and not rock roll festivals. Just festivals. You he so said rock festival. He's got to so, fight everything on semantics. He said all rock festival. All right, festivals. all right. Well, anyhow, we talked to you about what this segment was going to be about before we did this segment. I you know where he's going. Disturbed show. <laughs> For God's sake. All right, anyhow. Disturbed, uh, that's not even. I don't know very, what you guys like. A very popular uh, local fe- uh, festival, the K Rockathon, is uh, on hiatus for that's 2016. Not a that's just a one day. Does that count as a festival? One day's a festival. It's a festival so. type I, event. I think you have to go to more than one day if you want to be a festival. You can be a one-day festival. Mm. No, you're. A, that's just a concert. That's a long concert. Mm. It's not a festival. Go well, ahead. Is there uh, multiple no. stages there? No. I don't know if there's multiple stages. I've, I've actually been. never I'm been to the K-Rockathon. Neither have I. I was too young to go to the K-Rockathon. My mom wouldn't let me go to K-Rockathon when I was younger, even when there were like bands I wanted to see. I went once when I was in like eighth or ninth grade or something. It was. I mean, we had fun, but I don't... I've moved away from a lot. Me and K-Rock have moved apart yeah, over, over the years. I think Mark, a couple years ago, took pictures of the Red Bull DJ truck that had somebody on it. It was just like this small, stupid-looking Red Bull truck with a guy DJing. Just the name Red Bull DJ truck makes me kind of <laughs> sad. That's the official name. I feel like every year they were they would announce a K-Rockathon lineup, and I would hate everything about it, except there'd be one band I really liked. I know what they're doing. Who'd be on there, because they had like a weird one-off yeah. single that was getting K-Rock play, but I'm like... Shades I'd, Apart. Like, they were no like like Bayside played one year. Bayside, like, yeah. yeah, dude. Bayside was there. And yeah, I'm like, I really want to go see Bayside, um, but I know they're gonna be playing at like 1:30. They're gonna play for 25 minutes, and everybody's gonna hate them. I'm not gonna bother. It's kind of weird to me that I feel like I went to one festival. I went to one uh, Bonnaroo, and I kind of said this was great, but I think that's enough. <laughs> I might have burned myself out of festivals after one. <laughs> festivals have gotten as widespread as they are now. Yeah, it's too many. At kind of a later era in our lives, like if there yeah. were, for as many festivals as there are all summer long now, 
if we were 19 again, I think we'd probably be doing a lot more festivals. You know, not for nothing. I feel like a lot of the festivals I see come up have like the same lineup. That's as also the other a big thing too. Yeah. Right. I'm just gonna get worked up if we talk about this. It depends what festival you're going to. You know. Sure. Well, There's, of course. But, right, but look, if you look at the Coachella lineup, you look at Lollapalooza lineup, you look those at Bonnaroo lineup. Those are mainstream lineup, music festivals. And those are the three biggest music festivals in the country. And if you look at their lineups... It's not a music festival experience, though, if you're looking to go to a music festival, though. So I think if that's your, your interpretation of a festival, you're, you're it's very misrepresented. You're no, it's just very well, what are you implying? You're talking like a local festival? You're talking no, like a mountain jam? About or like, like a small, like not a hundred thousand people. talking about Chill. No, even just Catskill Chill. Just places, when you go to a place that has... 80,000 people jammed in, and if you go to the bathroom, you don't find your friend until you're back at a campsite that's two miles away from your car. Like, that's not a music festival. Like, that's just a disaster. That's every music festival. It is not. You, so you're, yes, a Bonnaroo is going to be like that. So Woodstock wasn't a music <laughs> festival? No, I guess that's not fair, but... <laughs> No, I'm just, I know. I know. Listen, you guys listen. are tying it into. I know what you're. Is what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Like, I, I understand what you're saying in the sense that there are many different experiences out there. There are places like the Catskill Chill that are much more chill, less people. Then there's the huge mega festivals, and then everything that trickles on down well, from there. You know what I mean? As <clears throat> using Bonnaroo though as your experience of like, I think I'm good on festivals. Like that's not. You're doing a disservice to yourself if that's the case. Oh, okay. I see what you're talking about. No, that's pretty fair, I yeah. guess. Yeah, because there's no there's no inherent reason that if I went to... Like, Bonnaroo was three days in a tent. Yeah. I, see what, I see what you mean. That Bonnaroo is way far intense. away from any yeah, yeah. festival. I that's wanted a, to do... That's yeah. a, okay. a, a one of three that are going to be a real shit show like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. That, like, that was my biggest problem with Bonnaroo, actually. It's not that I ran out of enjoyment for the actual event. I had a good time. There's lots of food, lots of bands I liked, uh, lots of beautiful women, lots of good times. But, like... There's not many showers. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, like, three days sleeping in a tent is always going to be kind of rough. Like, you could pay for a shower, but I refuse to pay $10 for a cold yeah. shower. I'm sorry. I need that money for beer. I. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long trip. Well, uh, you also want to be at places, too, where you don't feel yeah. like if you don't catch an act, like, you're wasting your money or, like, yeah. missing out. It's like, I've paid so much here. I'm just going well, to that literally was, sit in front of this stage for six hours. I was hours just going like, to say, that's not fun either, one you know? of the nice things about, um, about because when I went to Lollapalooza, that's my one experience with, yeah. like, large, large-scale festivals. The one really nice thing was that Lollapalooza is held in Grant Park in Chicago. Yeah. yeah. So when the, the, like, when Friday of the festival is over at 10 or 11, you walk out of Grant Park and you're in Chicago yeah. where they have hotels and yeah, restaurants yeah, yeah. and bars you know what i mean like everything that you could want so it's nice that you get that like we're out here walking around watching these bands in the sun but then you get to go recharge yeah, the batteries yeah. every night but that was something that does happen at those huge mega festivals with lots of stages like i remember having to make the decision like do i want to go see kanye west or nine inch nails do i want to go see rage against the machine or wilco right like having to make hard decisions and camping out in front of a stage the hardest decision do i go to the bathroom right now because i'm never gonna find i've got a, I've again, got a you know decent I mean? spot it's only <laughs> three well, and a half I'm never hours gonna until... find my friends again though you yeah. will never get back in that crowd <laughs> that's not a problem at bonnaroo because people will just piss like that, yeah, yeah, it's like bon Bonnaroo. I See, guess that's maybe, my point even yeah. further is that that place yeah. is a cesspool, man. I got so mad at some guy at Bonnaroo, and uh, <laughs> it was after the Radiohead show. It was very late at night. We went back to the campsite. We were sitting around smoking a cigarette, and this guy walked by, and he said, "Hey, man, do you guys come from Radiohead?" And I said, "Yeah." He's like, "Man, I never knew they were kind of like a jam band. They're great." And I got so heated in my head. I was like, Argh! Argh! 
That's not real. Meanwhile, you're the guy at Bonnaroo for the Radiohead show, so you're. In we a, were the you're people. In an odd we, place. we were the people. They were the headline audience. I know, no, but you're no, in an they odd weren't place, that though. year. You're in an odd place in that. They crowd, played though. on Friday night, which was the the first opening headliner. We were the people who drove from Brooklyn to see Radiohead on Friday and then left before Fish on Sunday. Yeah. We were that group yeah, of people. That would have been a tough, tough spot for you with that crowd. Take a shot. All right, let's <laughs> move on. Let's move on to something else. Uh, biggest movie in America right now, Captain America, Civil War. Justin Parkinson, are you interested in seeing Captain America? I don't even have it. No. I have nothing else to say. No. Nothing? How about you, Kevin? superhero movies. Can't do them. Don't care. Civil War, Captain America? I'll take a look. Yeah, I'll take. I mean, it'll be, it'll be like most of those movies for me, where they're all like, "Well, that was a fun, mm. immersive two hours." I'm sure they'll do a good job. They seem to have the fo- like the formula figured out. You tell me that this is a big time comic book story. Tell me this is one of like the all time great stories in comic books. So, this is. I mean, that seems interesting. It is. I'll go. Well, it's a divert. It's a divisive story in comics. I don't think they're doing the comic book story. I guess what the point is for me is. Uh, it seems a little weird that this is, like, the biggest movie in America to me because after watching all of the Marvel movies, I feel like you need to kind of see all of them for this movie to really hit home. I don't think Yeah, but is... everybody has. Is that really what it's come down look to? At, like, look yeah. at how big these Marvel movies... I mean, it's not like this movie's doing so well and none of the others have. Yeah. A shitload of people went to see Avengers, and, like, all the all these movies always do so well. A lot of people have seen them. It w- Avengers was on TV today when I was at my mom slipping yeah. around. I did stop to watch it because Robert Downey Jr. is the truth. He's the what? goat. Uh, also, I think that's the other thing with those Marvel movies. No matter what happens, the Iron Man character is the dopest superhero character. Robert Downey Jr., untouchable. He's the man. Uh, I do want to go see this. This ties into my theory that I always talk about with going to the movies. Uh, I don't necessarily want to go see the best movie of the year in the theaters. I want to see the most the big movie. entertaining movie. In the, the movie that benefits the most from being seen on the biggest screen, yeah. the largest sound system. Yeah, Mad Max, the Captain hill. America. Like I can, I can wait to see Nebraska at my house. <laughs> right? Do you know what I mean? Like it's not gonna. That's my biggest problem right now. I have the new Star Wars that I certainly downloaded legally. And not through any illicit means. If anyone's asking. If anyone's asking. <laughs> but I have the new Star Wars movie. I want to watch it, but I kind of feel like I'm doing it a disservice to just casually watch it in my room on a regular TV, right? Parkinson's if, got a projector in his bedroom. You took it away in bed and watch it. There's no Star nice. Wars allowed in there. Yeah, you don't like Star Wars either. You no. don't like anything. I don't All even know why. Why do I bring you here? Floor. You don't even like... You uh, take the fun out of living, you know? That? Uh, I, gotta, I gotta tell you, man, I don't really like Star Wars either. It's, it's all right. It's fine. Do you want to do overrated, do you, underrated? Do you do overrated, underrated Way, Star Wars? Overrated. Yeah, overrated. Way overrated. Drastically overrated. It's not even um, close to... Uh, it's fine, but settled out. I don't it's, think all the, it's the same as the Marvel stuff, though. It kind of falls into this thing where people just mindlessly go watch it. Now, you can't even give a good reason why besides you want to see a big screen. Look, Star Wars has a, a, a holiday, right? It, it has, like, cults and people dress up like it. It's almost impossible to say it's underrated in any context. It's a cultural phenomenon. It's... It's absolutely overrated because how can it not be it's become such a like it's like an american fairy tale like it's it's like the biggest like movie franchise of like the last 50 years in terms of people knowing it people caring about it did like, we just find a first sponsor for the Uticast? the star wars star wars Sam, because he's slinging all of your game not, because look, a billion in ticket sales can't prove your point already i get it i'm just saying i know like, his legacy i just i can't like, get behind it I, that's fine i'm just saying like it's hard to it's obviously overrated, but it can't be anything but overrated because of what it's become and, like, it's so mainstream. However, 
don't ever say may the fourth be with you to me ever <laughs> don't ever say it to me it's the stupidest thing don't send me a tweet about it don't send me r2d2's face i don't care it's fine um anyway i feel like i'm gonna watch it anyway just in case over it <laughs> yeah i feel like i'll oh man I can, go for, would have been the time. I can go for weeks about Star Wars. I'm not going to, but I can go for weeks. <laughs> you get a lot Star of flack for And Star I don't Wars. make a lot of friends talking trash about Star Wars. I really don't, but I don't know, man. I don't get it. Darth Vader was tight. Darth Vader was tight, but like, at, at what cost? Yeah, <laughs> yeah thanks. Right. <laughs> let's, uh, let's just do a couple quick over-unders and we'll call it a week. Again, folks, thank you for bearing with me. It's been a long, stressful week for your boy Famo, and I, uh, I appreciate the, the sensitivity that you will all obviously show. Uh, <laughs> Except you, Parkinson. You've been laughing and calling me a jerk all week just to make it worse. Just take your mind off things. I know. I appreciate it, actually. I, you know what? I honestly do appreciate it. Because everyone I talk to now is like, I'm sorry about your grandmother. Oh, and, that's you know the mean? worst, isn't it? And, it, and only, people mean the best, but that's the worst. And only you, only you come into the house and you're like, what's up, douchebag? And it's, it, it's kind of refreshing, honestly. It makes me feel good. So thanks, yeah, buddy. I appreciate that. As planned. Thanks. It's all part thanks, of the man. master plan. Uh, so I got uh, two overrated, underrated for you. Number one, uh, for the last two days, I've been forced to wear a suit Ugh. in public. I don't wear a suit very often. Overrated, underrated, wearing a suit. I'll take first. Underrated. Mm. Underrated. Suit up all the time. Mm. Suit up all the There's no reason. Wearing a suit's great. Mm. Can I say, having one suit should be, that's a pretty underrated. You should have one. We've we've learned that. Having multiple ones, overrated. One per house that's or one per person? I mean, it depends. One on per house. Yeah, one for per the house. record, there's no one that exists in this house, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Minus the 800 Kevin has that doesn't fit any of us. Yeah, well, that's why it's <laughs> swimming in Kevin's suits. <laughs> Arms all we hanging. We go together, two of us. Now, who wants to see it? You get on my shoulders. And <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kevin. I, I don't even know. I forgot. <laughs> that was I forgot. So good. I gotta say, I, I don't wear suits very often. Doesn't come up. Even you brought up to me that yesterday. You're like, I very rarely ever see you in any situation where you. Wear I literally a suit. don't think I've ever seen you wear a suit. Yeah. <coughs> I will say, wearing the suit, I had the suit and I had the overcoat over the suit. I did kind of feel like a boss. There's something about wearing a suit. I had the stunner shades on too, and I was outside, like smoking a cigarette, just for the aesthetics. I felt like a boss, man. It's good. It's powerful to wear a suit. I it feels get it. good to look good. We said it today. Feels good to look good. That's Underrated. Why I wear a belt. Wearing a suit. Um, I like the the three piece look myself, so I normally just leave the jacket at home. So. I feel like you need no, to. No, but own see, you it. gotta you gotta bring the jacket so that then you can pop the jacket off. No, but you know me. That's shoulder. a whole. You know move. me though. I'll leave the jacket at whatever function I go to. That's true. You do, you do leave just about everything. And my wallet will, will happen to be inside of it with my phone, and I'll never get it back. For like did I? Week, did so. we? Did we tell the listeners real quick sidebar about how I called your cell phone this week and somebody answered and it was Ace Taxi. And they were like, this phone's been down. That's a real thing. This Uber yeah, stuff. no, I, I, call, I called Justin's <laughs> phone at like 10 o'clock a couple mornings ago. I don't remember what day it was. And somebody picks up the phone and is like, hey. And it was a woman's voice. And I'm like, you know, hello. And then it was like, what's up? I'm like, who's this? And like, this is Ace Taxi. Could is this your phone? In this town? <laughs> Could have been anybody. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah, so they, re- they actually, I lost it two days ago. Didn't bother calling because I didn't necessarily care. They, were they have like, your phone to call. Well, yeah. and then, But they, she, they gave it back to me. And also on my taxi ride, though, for the record, the guy who gave me a ride did something just generous that I won't get into that I just thought was nice. So my overall experience with Ace Taxi this week was just good for them. You know, they did some nice stuff for people. Fine work. Give them a break sometimes. All right, and one more overrated, underrated. Uh, today, when I went to the Wake 
portion, the funeral portion. I decided to go sans belt and went with wearing suspenders. Overrated, underrated suspenders. I gotta go. Um, I'm gonna go with my brother on this one. My brother Andy is a big suspenders guy. Uh, suspenders are underrated. Mm. It's an underrated look. It's a it's a way to break up the regular dark dress pants and white shirt with a tie thing. And uh, sometimes it's better than belt, and you usually set yourself apart from the people. Underrated suspenders. I'll have to preface this, though. Did you walk in listening to the new Radiohead album and then tell all your relatives about that time you went to Bonnaroo to see Radiohead while wearing suspenders? I can see that you're trying to do a thing, but I'm not sure what it is. Did you? I did not. This time. Not this specific time, I didn't. Push, uh, then push. <laughs> no, uh, look, I actually, I, I, every now and then, my grandfather wore suspenders, so that's kind of why I busted him out, because that's like his thing. That being said, I do own a couple pairs of suspenders. I do like them. I think the look is fine. You kind of have to be a certain body type, though. Yeah. Like, you gotta, mm-hmm. not everyone can wear suspenders the way that not everyone can wear bow ties. Like, Kev, you're a big, tall guy. If you had a yeah. bow tie on, that's a lot of, like, white shirt. A lot of shirt. torso. A lot of torso. torso. The problem with you know suspenders, mean? though, is it leads way to the bow tie inevitably. It's just a no, bad no, look No, no, I can't do bow tie. It's just okay. a bad look. Only on New Year's Eve can I do bow tie, and that's just for, for fun. Uh, but I did find one problem with the suspenders. Unlike a belt, suspenders will continually pull your pants up the whole time you're wearing them. I feel like there was uh, a little bit of a Gordon Gecko 80s vibe with me with my high water pants. You're a suit you've never worn before with suspenders that you don't know what you're doing with them on. (laughs) That looks like a disaster for you, but you look look fly. (laughs) Folks, remember to check out our brand new website made by Justin Parkinson, uticast.com, and send us some mailbag questions. I'm trying to do an all-mailbag episode, so please send us your mailbag questions. You can do it right from our brand new website. Uticast. It's only made by me if you like it. Uh, hopefully Aaron will be back next week. Justin Parkinson, yeah. thank you for being here. Thank you again Please to... come back, Aaron. Justin, <laughs> thanks for nothing. <laughs> thank you again to Tim Tramp for Kevin Sullivan. My name is Sam Famolaro. We will do better next week, I promise.